Hey, hey, you're listening to episode 62 of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Did you know that two-thirds of Americans say that their digital files or their digital clutter make them feel stressed or anxious? I mean, just think about it. Like a cluttered digital space is just as damaging as, say, a messy desk or a messy house. When your space is cluttered, you feel like the walls are closing in on you. However, we don't realize that our digital files are suffocating us too. I mean, out of sight, out of mind, am I right? While organizing virtual files may sound like, why on earth would I do that, or even dare I say tedious to really comb through the hundreds of files or emails or folders, for us to stop spending so much time as teachers on silly things that aren't a good use of our time or spending hours lesson planning because we can't find all the resources we need, we have to have an organizational system in place to really kill those time-wasting processes like searching for files we need for our lesson plans or emails that we need to respond to. One of the biggest things that teachers tell me when we start automating their classrooms is that they don't know where everything is. They have lesson plans, but they aren't sure which folder they actually put them in. That's why I'm excited to introduce you to my friend, Lisa McCarg. She is a former high school Spanish teacher turned online digital organizer. She taught Spanish for 10 years, and the last seven of those were in a one-to-one school. She has a huge passion for helping teachers really take control of their digital chaos and create systems to really keep it organized. Lisa is one of the 20-plus presenters at this year's Summer Self-Care Conference for Teachers, and you're going to want to get a pen and a piece of paper ready because Lisa is dropping some huge nuggets on how to start getting digitally organized for the coming school year and create a system that's going to turn your chaos into calm. So let's go hang out with Lisa. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. Hey, Lisa, I am so excited to have you on the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you about how teachers can get digitally organized to make life easier. Yes. And so I gave this really great little brief introduction about you before we started, but I would just love it if you just like introduce yourself, tell a little bit about how you got started with digital organization. Yeah, it it was not the plan. That's for sure. It's a weird, windy road. So I actually didn't go to school, to college for teaching. And I worked on a really soul-sucking job in a cubicle and realized I had to get out. So I took kind of a non-traditional route into teaching, and I taught high school Spanish for 10 years. And actually, I've taught everything literally from kindergarten Spanish to college credit high school courses. I've literally like taught it all. Um, And when I started teaching, I've always been a really organized person. Like I was really into horses as a kid, and rather than like organize, like play with my horses, I would organize them by like color or size or when I bought them or the imaginary families I'd made for them. So I became a teacher and I thought, oh, like 
no worries. I'm going to totally be organized to have this down. Spoiler alert, that is not what happened. (laughs) I was not prepared for the like just amount of stuff that a teacher has. And this was way back in like 2011. So we're not even talking like one-to-one schools or a lot of technology. Um, But I really spent those first few years of teaching, especially that second year, struggling because I was not organized at all, like how I thought I was going to be. I spent about the next probably five years or so kind of like perfecting my system and learning how to get my stuff together. Um, And then fast forward to December of 2019, um, I had started a TPT store and I was on a Zoom call with a colleague who was also a teacherpreneur. And she said, oh, I'm going to be teaching direct object pronouns tomorrow, but I'm not sure how I'm going to intro it. I'm like, hey, I have this really cute story. Hang on. And I happened to be sharing my screen at the time. And I pulled up this resource and she goes, oh my gosh, Lisa, how did you do that? And I thought she meant, how did I make the resource? She goes, no, 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 no. How did you find that so fast? She's like, it would have taken me 15 minutes to find that file, assuming I could even find it. And she goes, I probably would have just ended up having to recreate it from scratch. She's like, you need to like tell people how to do this. You need to show them it's possible because she just thought Google Drive was like a terrible product and it couldn't be organized and all of this and everyone hated it. And she said, Lisa, I didn't even think a Google Drive like yours could exist. Like it wasn't even a possibility in her world. She's like you have to tell people how to do this. Um, This was December of 2019. And we all know it happened in 2020. So it was kind of terrible and perfect timing all in one. And I started with teachers helping them organize Google Drive and resources and how to name your files so that you can find them. Um, And then that just grew. And so I now I work with online business owners as well now, too. And I talk with people still about Google Drive and files, but also things like your email inbox or Canva or project management tools like Asana and things like that. So that is the short version of how I got to where I am now. I love it. And, you know, I think a lot of teachers really struggle with being able to find what they need. Like they get sitting down and they're looking at a lesson plan and they're like, where is that one thing that I got from TPT? I really like that thing, but I don't know where it is. And I really struggled with that. And I think I actually took like a class or a workshop with you. And I was like, yeah, Like I need to organize my Google Drive and now it's become like a part of my monthly like system. Like I go through and I try to make sure that they are organized so that I can actually find what I need when I need it, you know? Um, So what are some other struggles that you see uh, teachers having with digital organization or, and what do you think the effects are of that? Oh my gosh. So the Biggest one probably is what you said where you remember you have something. You're like, I know I bought something. I know I made something, but I cannot find it. And, you know, so you search and you search and you're either just clicking around or maybe you're searching for a file name. And I mean, as teachers at my last school, I had a 90 minute planning period every other day. We had A day, B day schedules, which means some weeks I only had two days where I had a plan period. And 90 minutes seems like a long time, but it's not. But if you spend 15 minutes of your 50 minute or your 90 minute or whatever plan time searching for one file, it's like, oh, that just ate up so much of my precious time. And 
that's kind of the main thing that a lot of teachers are aware of is that it's taking up my time. Like I am wasting time searching for the thing and then I can't find it. So I say, forget it. And I end up recreating it. So there goes another 15 to 30 minutes. And then I go to like save it. And inevitably, of course, after you recreated the wheel, you find the original file. And you're like, are you kidding me? But then if you're listening, you've ever been in that situation, like you know how that feels. And if you're like me, I have a hard time of like letting things go when I'm frustrated, like walking away. So I, in those early years, would carry that like frustration then into my classes because it would just sort of like, ah, are you kidding me? I just wasted all this time. Um, And it really does impact you energetically as well. It makes you frustrated. It wastes your time. So then you're more stressed because I didn't get to, you know, this project that I needed to do today because I was wasting time searching for stuff or I thought it was going to take five minutes and it took 20 minutes. And it really, (laughs) I say it's kind of like getting pet to death by a duck. It's all, (laughs) yeah, it's all these little things just like chipping away at you. Um, And so really, it, I always say they're just files, but they're not just files. Um, It really does have such an impact on your body um, from a physical standpoint as well. There's a lot of studies about working in a visually cluttered environment, and there's more coming out about digital clutter. But you know, the short version is it's not good for your health, for things like your immune system, with, which, oh my goodness, if you're a teacher in the classroom, so many germs, we need our immune system as good as it can be. It yeah, we do. Like your digestion, your hormones, your ability to recover from illness. Um, people who work consistently in visually cluttered environments are at a higher risk for heart disease. Like, that's insane. You know? That is. Right? And so I work with a lot of people that either they know it's weighing down on them, but a lot of times they didn't realize how much. I always laugh. I'm like, a lot of times people cry when they work with me for like long periods of time because um, they'll say, Lisa, I, like, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize how much it was affecting me until it was better. It's kind of like you don't yeah. realize how sick you are until you feel better. It's that same kind of thing. And so like teaching is hard. Teaching was hard in 2011 when I started. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much harder than I ever thought it was going to be. Let's heap on all the challenges that have just come on in the last you know, five years or so. It's really hard we don't need files and emails like heaping onto that workload. And so really when we are disorganized, and I include myself in that because I'm not perfect. Please don't listen to this and think I have to <laughs> together all the time. I don't. Um, it's kind of like giving us ourselves one more plate to juggle. And over time, it really does just take its toll mentally and physically. So that's the stuff that like really gets me is when I see teachers struggling And really just starting from scratch every single year. I've worked with veteran teachers who have taught for 15 years that are basically starting from scratch every year and recreating stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, why? Like, that's – and it stresses them out and they're so busy. I'm like, that's not how we should live. So – Yes. And, you know – uh, we've talked on the podcast before about how like stress can accumulate and it it accumulates within your body and – I have read there's like a 
where's my book at? There's a book called Joy at Work by Marie Kondo. And she's talking about like some of, some of those same types of things, how clutter and things like that can really impact your nervous system, impact your stress levels. And so everything that you just said makes complete sense in terms of the importance of organization. What are some of the digital organization like basics or foundations that every teacher yeah, should have? Yeah, so I think the basics, just like in your classroom with all your physical stuff, you want to have a place for everything. You know, you've got like, oh, this is where kids turn papers in and this is where supplies go and all that kind of stuff. You want the same thing in your digital spaces. This sounds simple and it, it really kind of is, but you want to have a place for everything and everything in its place. So I like to tell people too, if some people really struggle with a digital world because it's not tangible, you can't touch it. Mm -hmm. And it's that the fact that it's not physical and tangible, it makes it more of a challenge for some people, especially if we're talking about people, um, like who have ADHD and struggle with object permanence and like executive functioning and things like that, like it's out of sight, out of mind, literally. All that stuff tends to get lost. Mm -hmm. So I will tell people um, when it comes to your digital space, for teachers, I like to have a folder for each prep or each class that you're teaching. So I taught high school Spanish. So I'd have a folder for Spanish one, two, three, and four, seventh grade Spanish, eighth grade Spanish, all my different preps. And then within that, like yeah. within Spanish 1, I had a folder for each unit that I taught. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the unit is by a textbook or you make your own curriculum or, you know, whatever it is. But at least that way, when I go to prep for, you know, the family unit in Spanish 1, I'm not looking all over my Google Drive. I have it narrowed down to this one area. The same way if I say, hey, mm -hmm. where are your socks? Like, if you're listening, you're like, that's an odd question. But if I ask you, where are your socks? I guarantee you probably immediately know. You're not going to probably go into your kitchen and start checking drawers. Like, oh, are my socks here or there? You're not going to look underneath your bathroom sink. Like, are my socks here? You probably know that your socks are in your bedroom, in the dresser, in the top left drawer, in the front middle section. Because, of course, my drawers are subdivided because mm -hmm. my brain is my brain. <laughs> but you know where things are. It's just the same way that you know where, you know, your favorite pair of jeans is or whatever. You know where all your clothing is. Think of your digital files as the same way. If it's really, really intimidating, like recognize already that like you have a really complex organizational system within your house. So think of your digital spaces that same way. Break it down into like rooms, kind of like your big categories, and then different pieces of furniture or areas in that room. And if that's it, like you can just do that. Or you can get really specific and do things like, oh, it's in, you know, the front middle section of this specific drawer. You know, it really depends on you and your brain and how things work. I have yet to work with somebody um, who likes folders inside of folders, inside of folders, inside of folders like I do. I like to get really specific. Right. Most people just want to go one or two layers deep because they're not going to go that deep. So if you can yeah. set up those basics of like, here's my you know, prep folder for the class and then here's like for each unit or each theme or whatever – 
that can narrow it down. That's a good starting point. Yeah, I I really like that. It made me start thinking about like, so I have a folder within a folder system in my Google yeah. Drive. It makes sense to me because I have multiple different areas that I need to focus on, but I, I don't want them to get jumbled. So folder within a folder works for me. But I was thinking about mm. my email inbox, which <laughs> is not organized at all. It is not organized because there's so many emails and I feel like an attachment. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, them. yeah. You know what I mean? Like you never know when you might need this email or you might need that. And so I'm thinking about all these teachers who probably have 50,000 emails and just sitting there in a little bubble at the bottom of their screen or 14,299 <laughs> yeah. according to mine right here. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm just thinking about that. So like, what do you, what are some simple things that teachers could do to like start maybe even decluttering oh their email. email. So email is one of those things I hadn't really intended to ever like talk about or branch into. But I kept getting so many questions about it. And so I work with a lot of people about email. I literally have a whole course about it. But some starting points with email. So email gets out of control really quickly because we're at the end of the day, there's a lot of it we're not in control of. We can't control, and we kind of can, but yeah. you know, not really like who emails you. Okay. So when it right. comes to email, um, I'm going to talk about Gmail because that's what I work with in usually. Um, but other platforms, if you use Outlook or something else, there's usually some kind of equivalent for these strategies. So when it comes to email in Gmail, if you go, you can start with your inbox is fine. Um, and up in the top right corner, you're going to see a number that tells you the total number of emails in your email inbox. You hover your mouse over that. It's going to pop down a little like window that says newest and oldest. If you click on oldest, it's going to reverse sort those emails and put your take you basically to the last page, really. I guess it doesn't really reverse sort, but it'll take you to the last page. If you've never done this and you've had this account for a long time, you might be surprised how far back it goes. I'm so excited. <laughs> you I'm to like this. super extra. <laughs> On the left-hand side of Gmail where you've got like inbox, sent, spam, all that stuff, there's a section that says all mail. All mail is all of your mail. So it's your inbox, anything you have in folders, and anything you've archived. When you accidentally hit that archive button and you're like, oh no, where did it go? It went to all mail. That's where it went. It's out of your inbox. It's in all mail. Still there, still searchable, hasn't disappeared. It's just been moved. If you do this in all mail and reverse sort, you'll probably get even older things. So a lot of times it's, I will recommend start there because those really old emails are like nice low-hanging fruit that are sometimes easier to get rid of. I did this back in 2021, and I had emails that went back to 2013. Like, you know, that's almost 10 years ago. I don't need emails from 10 years ago. Yeah. And the other question, the other there thing to consider is sometimes people run across stuff and like, oh, but this PD session I went to seven years ago, and here's the handouts. Ooh, I might need them. Really? Because you didn't know they were there. You haven't seen them for seven years. Is this one handout really going to be the thing that transforms your life? Probably not. And honestly, it's probably not even probably best not. practices anymore, depending on what it was about. So 
Um, right. I like to go into inbox or all mail, go up to the top right where it shows you that number, hover over it, click on oldest. It'll take you to the old ones. You can start deleting. And that's usually easier because they're old. And so there's not as much emotional attachment to them maybe, or there's a little more like it's seven years old. I can let this go. Now, the other thing I always say, your inbox is not meant to hold all of your emails. That is not its purpose. Now, that said, I am not an inbox zero person. I think inbox zero, one, it doesn't work for me and my brain. Two, I feel like it puts a lot of added pressure on people. Like, oh, no, I didn't get to inbox zero today. I've quote unquote failed. Like, no, <laughs> life happens. You know, I feel like it's extra pressure yeah. we don't need to put on ourselves. Um, so for me, my inbox Anything in my inbox is something that is coming up in the near future. So, for example, um, the emails about our podcast interview today are in my inbox. Guess what? Like after this interview, I'm going to go delete like the calendar reminders and the link to get to this interview, you know, because I don't need them anymore. And I left them in there because I'm like, oh, this is coming up in like the next, you know, two weeks or so. I'm going to leave it here. Um, now, yeah. I have a lot of email addresses too. I have and a personal email address. That's where everything for like my kids' stuff goes, doctor's appointments, personal things like that. I have an email dedicated to online shopping. So all of those email confirmations and shipping and it's been delivered and confirmed, all those emails go to a specific email inbox so that they're not mixed up with like my kids' summer camp stuff. Um I have an inbox for my business that's kind of the behind the scenes for me. So if I'm going to attend like a summit or I want to download um, an ebook from somebody, I use that one. I have another business email account, which is like my client facing one. It's what I use to communicate with clients, book podcasts, things like that. So some people are like, I can't even imagine, like manage one inbox. How am I going to have more than one? And the key is really if you... I sometimes will say you need another separate inbox that is specifically dedicated to XYZ because I'll work with teachers sometimes who, you know, I'll see like dentist appointment reminders coming to their school inbox. And I'm like, why is that coming to your school inbox? Not in like a judgy way, like that's personal. It shouldn't be there. But like, is that really the best place for it? Because now your brain is switching between you know, trying to lesson plan and, oh gosh, I, I forgot I have that dentist appointment coming up. I'm going to reschedule. And now your attention's been diverted. And now you're, you know, it's harder to find yeah. it. So I like multiple inboxes. <laughs> um, also folders. Folders are your friend. So the question, when I was teaching, my most used folder, which if you do nothing else from this podcast, but this, it will help you. I made a folder and it was called save-reference. And this was the folder where I put all of the emails I would get from admin or our tech guy or anything that I was like, oh, that's important information I might need at some point during this school year. And I don't want it in my inbox getting in the way of more like pressing needs. So like when our media specialist would send us the list of Here's all the databases we have access to and all like the logins and passwords that doesn't need to live in my inbox and I need to keep it 
So let me put it in my save reference folder. And now I know where it is if I need it and it's not in the way. And then if I do need it, it's a lot easier for me to say, okay, let me search in this folder for an email from Anna, because I was our media specialist, and I'm going to find it a lot faster than having to like scroll my inbox forever or search and find a lot of emails from Anna about like the potluck and whatever and all this stuff. So that save reference yeah. folder, and at the end of the year, I would usually go and like kind of clean it out at the end of every year. Like, okay, I don't need the graduation schedule. I don't need the prom information. I don't need all of this. I would kind of clean it out at the end of every year or the start of every year. Um, and that kept that folder manageable too. So that's like my favorite thing tip to do. I love it. Oh my gosh. This is so juicy. Like I, I'm thinking about all of these different things that teachers really need to learn about and really have somebody like yourself to really guide them in that direction. And like, I know that you're one of the you're one of the presenters at the summer self care conference. Your presentation is going to be fantastic. Can you talk a little bit about what like the teachers are going to be learning from you? What you're going to be talking about so they can know what to look forward to in your session? Oh, I can talk a lot about it. I get really geeky about this. And so this is one of those, I'm going to be talking about creating unit hubs. And what I mean by unit hub is one document that has everything you need for a unit. Because I worked with so many teachers who, you know, let's say, okay, hey, I'm going to be starting the family unit next week or whatever. And they have no idea well, gosh, how many days did this take? How did I start it? Where are my lesson plans? Ooh, I wonder what assessment I used. Like, where's those like hands-on cards that we use for that partner talking activity? They have no idea and stuff is scattered everywhere. And I'm like, why? No. <laughs> so um, unit hubs are great. It's, they, they pair really nicely with a good folder system and good file naming conventions. But even if you don't have that, I don't have a great file folder structure. If you create a unit hub, it's a one-stop shop for everything yeah. you need. So it's all of your lesson plans. It's all of the resources like linked in there so that really you can prep for a unit in like minutes instead of hours because all you have to do is open that hub and it's like the dummy's guide to this unit. It's everything you need in one spot. So you're not wondering, gosh, what did I do for like my unit hook or intro or how many days did it take? Or, you know, gosh, what was that YouTube video? God, did I pin it? Do I just have it in YouTube? Like, where is it? Mm -hmm. It's all there organized for you. It's kind of like the master plan. And these can be really, really simple. The ones I actually used while I was teaching were really simple and like ugly. They weren't pretty because yes. if you know me, I say practical over pretty all the time. Um, but I, I, you can make them look pretty. And I show a few examples in my session of like, hey, here's how you can add some color and some fun icons and use tables to kind of like format. You can make it look really nice. So if you do like pretty things and you do like color coding, kind of having themes, you know, you can do that as well. But Unit hubs really are just 
they were a lifesaver for me teaching. And anytime I run across a teacher that I work with that doesn't have something like that, I'm like, okay, we got to talk. This is what we're going to do. So that's what I'm going to be um, talking about at the conference. And I'm really excited about it. Yes, I'm excited about it because I had never thought of unit hubs when you talked about mm-hmm. it, when I've gotten to see the I've gotten to see it already. Yeah, you've got so, behind the scenes a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And so I was just like, what have I not been doing? I mean, seriously, <laughs> teachers could learn a ridiculous amount from you. And I mean, just from this podcast episode, I've learned like five things and making my to-do list right now to go in, into my email inbox <laughs> and even play around in my Google Drive. But can you tell the listeners a little bit about where to find you, where to learn more from you? Um, I know you're on Instagram, um, some of the courses maybe you offer, those types of things. Yeah, you can find me online at lisamch.com. My last name is McCarg. It's a doozy to say. It's a doozy to spell. So online, I'm Lisa MCH. On Instagram, I am Lisa JMCH. I spend way too much time there. Kind of calmed down for the summer. Um, during the school year, I'm in stories. Monday through Friday, I accidentally made an Instagram story show called The Pickup Line with Lisa, (laughs) where I'm literally sitting in the school pickup line waiting for my kid. The double entendre with like a pickup line is also (laughs) intentional. Um, Yeah, you can find me, um, lisamch.com. You can also find um, courses I have, trainings and free resources. I mentioned earlier, I've got one um, about, it's called Tame Your Inbox. It's all about getting your Gmail under control. Um, I have a whole training about the unit hubs we talked about. Um, if you use Canva, there's a workbook on how to organize your Canva. I feel like there's another training. Oh, there is. I just did a training because, like, again, I kept getting asked about how to organize your TPT purchases. Yes. All these people that buy stuff from teachers, pay teachers, and then can't find it. I'm like, what do you mean you can't find it? And they download it. They have to go to TPT and, like, download it for the hundredth time. I have a training about that, but there's also some really great free resources like a Canva declutter guide, three steps to an inbox that doesn't look like crap. Um, I don't know, there's some other stuff like where to start decluttering files. So if you go to lisamch.com along the top, you'll see all of those things. So I'm going to put the links for those all down in the show notes for people to grab and see all that you're talking about. I mean, I can just see this really helping a lot of educators and reducing that stress and overwhelm, which is so important nowadays. So um, I want to thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on to the show. And I hope everybody comes and checks out the Summer Self-Care Conference and your presentation. Thank you so much, Brittany, for letting me come on and geek out about digital organizing. And yeah, I'm looking forward to um, reaching a lot of people through your event this summer and be able to help make teaching just a little bit easier because it's hard enough without the digital clutter adding to it. Yes, absolutely. If you want to learn more from Lisa and 20 plus more teacher experts on topics like self-care systems, sustainability, and support, you are not going to want to miss this free summer self-care conference for teachers going down Friday, July 21st through July 23rd online. You can grab your free ticket and learn more at teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash summer self-care conference or head over to the link in the show notes to find out more. Don't forget, you are a resilient teacher. We are in this together. You've got this. 
Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.